This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. An action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and this week uh, we've got a unique show for everyone. Um, if you're a college basketball fan, if you're a, a fan of leadership, then this is a show you certainly don't want to miss. Um, I had the opportunity and the pleasure to host uh, a, an event with the Monsanto Family YMCA. Uh, Marcus Wilson, uh, the executive director there, put on a great show, him and his team. And I had the opportunity and, the, like I said, the privilege to interview head basketball coach, uh, the University of Missouri, Conzo Martin, head basketball coach for Missouri State University, Dana Ford, the head basketball coach for University of Missouri, Kansas City, Kareem Richardson, the St. Louis University head basketball coach, Travis Ford, and the Southeast Missouri State University head coach, Rick Ray. So all five Division I basketball coaches from the state of Missouri in one room, uh, talking basketball, talking leadership. And so on this episode, you're going to get to hear from them. You're going to get to hear their questions, and you're going to get to hear these men, all men of faith um, and perseverance, men of, uh, men of courage, uh, and they're, they're teaching other young men uh, to be great leaders. So enjoy this show on the Circuit of Success. Welcome, everybody. Excited to see everybody out here and uh, going to raise uh, some money for a great need today. And, and thanks to all these coaches that are here today, too, because I know you guys are as busy as can be. So to get you all here on one day is pretty amazing. So uh, so guys, we got a lot of uh, business leaders. We have other coaches in the room today. So let's, let's take the lens from the basketball court, but also look at it from the boardroom, right, from the business side of things. And so, Travis, I'm going to start with you. You've been coaching, what, 22 years now? Head coach for 22 years. Start my 23rd, yeah. 23rd year. So if you could go back 15 or 20 years and tell that Travis Ford something, what would you tell that young man? Oh, wow. Um, you know, times have changed a lot uh, in our business. Like you said, I've been a college head coach for 23 years, and I think social media has changed it a lot uh, over the last five, six, seven years, uh, quite a bit in a lot of different aspects. Um, you know, I think uh, video games have changed it. Uh, a lot uh, as far as kids getting in the gym and different things. There's just a lot more options out there for our players to be doing besides getting in the gym and getting better every day on their own. Um, But the biggest thing for me, and uh, I have a lot of coaches, young coaches call me and talk to me about wanting to get in the business or former players and things like that. And The biggest thing, thing I tell them is the least thing I do is coach basketball. Coach X, and that's probably the least thing I do. Uh, I spend more time trying to uh, figure out how we can help our young men in the classroom, uh, dealing with maybe issues, mentoring these men off the court, uh, recruiting, whatever it may be. You better be in it about the young men more than you're in it about the basketball, or you will not be. It, it, it won't be for you. You will not have uh, much success. And uh, they always say, "Well, I bet coaching's a lot of fun." What we do is not. Fun. I don't think what I wouldn't call it fun. 
I call it rewarding. Uh, you know, what we do, I wouldn't say it's just a whole lot of fun. We have fun. But what we do is rewarding. Uh, what we do is rewarding. You get into coaching or teaching what we do because uh, you want to try to make it some difference in some young men's lives. And along the way, you get to coach a little basketball every once in a while. So that's the biggest thing I think that was kind of new to me when I got in it as a coach 23 years ago that, man, I'm going to do all this coaching. What's the least thing I do? You spend more time trying to figure out how to help your young men away from the court than you actually do on the court. So, Kareem, with you, uh, talk to you about building a team of people around you, right? So you, you know, you obviously played college basketball. You were fortunate enough to be a coach with Patino to win a national championship with Louisville. Um, so you've seen it at the highest level. So what are you doing now to run a program and build that team around you? Well, I think uh, it starts with the, the kind of kids that, that we recruit. You know, we, we go, we recruit just a quick, small acronym, CAT, C-A-T, Character, Academics, and Talent. And uh, by no, uh, you know, no fault or no surprise, a character being the first, first uh, characteristic that we're looking for. And uh, just trying to, you know, as, as Travis said, it's, a, it's not necessarily a fun job, but it's rewarding. And so if you can, if you can uh, build your, your program around uh, high-character guys that want to try to do the, the right thing the majority of the time and help them guy move on and, and be successful men in the, in the world, uh, then, then, uh, then you're doing, doing the right thing. And uh, Rick and I work together at Indiana State with Royce Waltman. And coach would always say, want to be around guys that you enjoy losing with. Not that you want to lose, but those are kind of high-character guys. So that's, that's what we try to do. And I think, too, for this, is uh, for those of you that couldn't see behind the stage, I thought it was really cool being a guy back there watching. So there's four of you back there. And these guys, so talk about character. They don't have to come up here and help each other. But you guys were back there helping each other with defensive moves and what you're doing and what's going well. So I think it starts with the leadership, right, Absolutely. of that organization if you think about that. So I just thought that was really neat to see. So, Rick, uh, for you, what's, what's the common mistake you see from leaders today? Again, whether it's the business world or the basketball world, what mistakes are you seeing out there? Well, we have our rule, um, and it's the number one rule in our program. And it's a really simple rule, but it's the hardest one to keep. And it's not just for the players with us, it's us with our players. Number one rule in our program, tell the truth. And, and if you look at what's going on in our society, people are not getting in trouble for what they did. They're getting in trouble for lying about it. So obviously we know what's going on in the world with Ohio State in this situation. I mean, just tell the truth. That's the number one thing. We always like use the example of Ryan Lochte, the Olympic swimmer. I mean, he went out, broke curfew, got drunk, and didn't come back on time. But he turned it into an international incident by lying about what happened while he was out. Hey, people have been upset. Hey, you should have been back on time, curfew. But, hey, those things happen. But we make things worse, all right, by just trying to cover it up. We always say that old adage, the cover-up is worse than the crime. So we always say the number one thing that we need to do is, like, tell the truth. And we always say the same thing as far as like operating with integrity when we're recruiting. We just hired a young man on our staff, Keith Pickens, who played for Conzo at Missouri State. is from the St. Louis area. And so in my background and trying to vet him out to make sure I did my due diligence with him, I happened to know his head coach's wife. And so I asked her, I said, what do you think about Keith Pickens? Said he's the best person I've known. And I said, like, the best coach, the best player said, best person I've ever known. I hired him. That's simple. 
That's simple. Like these, the people around you, the people that you're going to surround yourself with as assistant coaches, as a strength coach, as a director of basketball operations, they're mentors to these young men. And, and so I think what happens in college basketball, college athletics, people get worried about the next job, how much money I make and things like that. And at the end of the day, I got in this business to help our young men. And any time that I get away from that, then we're wrong. Okay, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish relationships. And I tell our guys, you come to my school, it's not a four-year commitment. It's a lifetime commitment. So I want you to be able to pick up the phone and call me 10 years from now and ask me about switching jobs. Okay, when you get married 15 years from now, I want to be out on the dance floor doing electric slide. I, I want that invitation. Okay, so, so to me, we have that number one rule, tell the truth and make sure you surround yourself with people that have that same philosophy. Love it. Conzo, uh, I think as humans, we all want to stay in our little comfort zone, right? It's easy to do, but we can build the callus if we try to get out of our comfort zone. What advice would you have for everybody here today to get out of your comfort zone? Good question. Really good question. And I'll give you an example. When I first got the head job at Missouri State, I was at Purdue as an assistant coach. Uh, had a few other opportunities, but between my painting. Coach Katie, who, who was out of it, and the athletic director, they would say, that's not a good one. Hold off. That's not a good one. Uh, so finally, Missouri State came. Opportunity I couldn't pass up. But I, I was happy being at Purdue as an assistant coach. So when I got the job, uh, we, we, we won 10 games my first year. We were 10 and 21, 11 and 20, one or the other. It was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in the sport, just losing games. Uh, and I think the lesson and all that, I, I had, I wasn't afraid, but I didn't have a lot of direction. And what I mean by that, as a leader of the program, but as an assistant coach, oftentimes, as successful as you are, or, or the perception of you being successful, you're always behind the scenes. So now as a leader of the program, the buck stops here. This is what it is. So now you're losing ball games. You're 10 and 21, again, 11 and 20, season over. Come on after tough losses. And I can't turn to my wife. We have three kids. Uh, my daughter's one, I think like six, and maybe 10 or 11. So I can't really talk to my wife. At least this is how I feel. I can't talk to my wife because she got kids at home, so she's dealing with that. Uh, and she doesn't really understand the dynamics of what's going on on the floor. I can't talk to my assistant coaches because, Coach, you're the head coach. We're supposed to follow your lead. Uh, and, and I can't talk to, you know, other peers out there because you don't want to seem vulnerable and weak in what you're doing. So for me, just the best thing and the thing that really gave me uh, clarification and validation, I just got on my knees and continued to pray through it all, just get understanding and balance. So the moral of this story is don't be afraid to ask questions because I, I, I'm not sure if I'll ever be the all-time leading anything at Mizzou because I don't have a desire to do this that long. I do it to the best of my ability, and whatever God's plan is, the next move, and I'm gone. It's, it's that simple because that school will go on with or without me. And I understand that. I'm grateful to have the opportunity. But what I found in all of that, don't be afraid to ask questions. There are high school coaches in here, and AAU coaches in here right now, that I call for advice. And they, they don't, it's not even about their players because we're all trying to learn to be the best that we can be. And ultimately, every time I ask information, it's to give to somebody else. And it's our players. If I, if I can't give them guys everything I have, my, my life has been on display. I don't, I don't have a problem with being transparent because that's what it is. So I think the biggest thing in, in that lesson, even as a leader, 
Don't be afraid to be vulnerable in that situation and ask questions. There's nothing wrong with it. Great advice. Thank you. So, Dana, you were, uh, at the time, the youngest Division One basketball coach hired. Uh, so, congratulations on that. That's a big deal. But that, that doesn't just happen, right? And so, you had to be a student of the game. We all want to be students of the game in our businesses. So, what do you do to stay on top of your game day in and day out? Sure. Um, you know, it, it was difficult being the youngest coach um, because there's so much that you don't know. And I would always joke with a coach in our conference at the time. I was in the Ohio Valley with, with Coach uh, Coach Ray, and uh, there's a coach in the uh, league by the name of Rick Bird. And uh, I'm 34 years old. He started coaching at Belmont 34 years ago. And, and I was there before every game. You know, I would always say, "Well, I know how many years you've been there because that's how many years I've been alive." It's just a little running joke. But um, you know, it's it's difficult trying to figure it all out. Sorry, on your own. And that's what I learned as a young coach was you, you, you just can't figure it out on your own. As competitive as you want to be, as, as, as much as you want to know, uh, you just can't figure it out on your, on your own. So what I started doing was I started just studying other people that I thought were successful in my same line of work. And, and some coaches on, on the stage right now, I, I've studied them. And um, I think that once you figure out that you don't have all the answers, that's when the learning really starts. In fact, we just had a camp the other day, and, and that was the message I sent to the to the kids is, if you've already got all the answers, then why did you pay to come to the camp? And so uh, I, I think it's really important that you, that you never stop learning. And, and the moment that you stop learning, you probably need to try to do something else. But, but it, it goes along with anything. If you've got a passion for it, I think you need to find some time throughout the day and, and dedicate yourself to learning it and, and studying people that you feel like have done it the right way or do it the way that you want to do it. And, uh, that, that's, and I've actually learned more from, from the losses that I've had as a coach than, than the wins. Our, our first year, we were 5-25. And, 25. and um, it, it was just, it, obviously going through it, it was miserable. But as I look back, learning from so, so many mistakes, and now I've been blessed with this opportunity at Missouri State to, to not make those same mistakes again. And so um, I've had to kind of grow up fast in coaching because of being the youngest coach and not using that as an excuse not not to be successful. So, Travis, let's talk to you for a second. You've been around a lot of great people, coaches, athletes, uh, obviously. But for you personally, what's that one habit or ritual that you do without miss every single day that helps lead you to success? Pray. <laughs> that's, that's usually a pretty good start. Um, you know, um, start your day out praying. I mean, and, uh, you know, Appreciate what you have, um, I think, is uh, it's very important to me. Um, I can interrupt. So is that like a like a habit for you? Like you get up, you got a special room? Like, you, like yeah, is it a whole process? Yeah, I have my little area. I get my coffee, and then uh, I spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes and uh, get my day started. I, I'm a pretty early riser, um, and, uh, you know, that's important to me. I don't, you know... You know, in our business, whether it's recruiting or whatever it is, you may not get to go to church as much as you would like to and be get involved with as many things as you would like to get involved with. Um, so it's a lot of, you know, it's good, I think, to get spend some time in whatever's, you know, whether it's uh, in the Word or whatever, it's just meditating or whatever it is, uh, to just get some alone time. Because pretty much after that time in the morning, my alone time's over. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty busy until pretty late at night. Um, but I, you know, uh, I enjoy, um, you know, uh, my staff knows that, uh, I, I, I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, so, 
uh, my rituals, I probably have eight to 10 cups of coffee a day. Um, but, uh, but no, starting the day out right, uh, I think is important. Uh, I don't have it down right perfectly all the time, that's for sure. But uh, I definitely try. I get, that's a lot of coffee. <laughs> Kareem, what advice do you have for people uh, that have to deal with setbacks? How do we overcome setbacks and uh, just get to that next level sooner rather than later? Well, I think what uh, what Dana said, you know, learning learning from those setbacks as quickly as possible, and and uh, you, I think all of us probably up here talk about with our players on to the next on to the next play, on to the next thing. Learn from it and uh, try not to try not to make that same mistake, bumping your, you know, run into that same wall. Uh, but but on to the next play quickly, quickly learn from it, and let's let's try to do better next the next go around and. And um, uh, you know, see see if we can get that success the next time. Stay with us as we go to break. Again, I'm your host Brett Gilliland. Hope you're enjoying the show with these coaches from these great schools in the state of Missouri. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. Again, I'm your host Brett Gilliland. I hope you are enjoying the show getting the opportunity to listen and learn from these coaches from all these great schools in the state of Missouri. So welcome back. Enjoy the rest of the show. So, uh, Rick, for you, what's what's your belief systems? When you think about all the belief systems you have, what's that number one thing that sticks out for you and, and advice for our, for our guests today? If I can believe this, this is going to help you with success, what's that going to be? Well, to me, you've you got to have some core values and you got to have some moral fiber. Um, and, and I remember I worked for Coach Waldman, um, and we had a, a guy on our staff um, that says that he thought the world of him. Okay, he really thought the world of him as a person. He says, but, like, when things get tight for you, okay, when things start going wrong for you, you lose your moral compass. And, and so to me, that was like, man, he, he just, like, hit home with him. And so to me, it's always about that integrity issue. Like, can you continue to do the right things when things are not going well for you and your program? Can you continue to do the right things when things are not going well for you financially? So to me, when you're in those binds, okay, do you have that moral compass? Do you have that high moral fiber to continue to hold that integrity as your utmost responsibility? Uh, Because to me, like, I want to make sure that I'm passing it on to not just like my staff, but my players, but also I got two boys. I got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and I'm not very smart. I got a I got a 24-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. So, I mean, that's just not very smart. Um, but what, what I want to make sure that I do is I want to make sure am I holding myself to those standards. And just to touch on what they said here, I mean, we always ask our players in the offseason, number one thing, Work on your craft, work on your game, get better. But then we got to ask ourselves as coaches, are we doing the same thing? You know, so are we doing the same thing we ask our players to do? So that always improving, okay, and not having all the answers. I'm about to get in my car two days from now. I'm driving to Cleveland, Mississippi to go visit two days with Delta State coach, a Division II coach. And I can't be in a situation where I'm a Division One, Division One coach, and he's a Division Two coach. What am I going to learn from him? A ton, plenty. 
So I, I just think that those things, like having some humility in this game is what's really important. So, Conzo, as you've uh, climbed the ranks in, uh, in your craft here, how has your mindset changed as you've now gotten in the SEC? Uh, I think uh, I've always been the same guy. I, I think what uh, you just get older. Uh, I was I was I one guy was at Marcus Green. He was a guy I recruited from out of when I, mean, I was assistant coach at Purdue. Now Feast played for me at Missouri State. Jerron played for me at Tennessee. So they probably have different level of stories, uh, and they kind of change over time. But I think just the wisdom that every day you get older uh, and, and not being afraid. Uh, to say I love you, because uh, I use that word all the time, because right? I think it's a real word. I use it all the time. I love you, man. You're doing a great job. And I have a relationship with those guys, uh, so it wasn't as if they were done playing. It was over. I love you, man. You're doing a tremendous job. How's your family? You got to keep growing. And, and I don't, even though they're all men, and I, and I treat them as men, but I still talk to them and pour wisdom into them. That's what I'm supposed to do, because I expect them to, to pay it forward. So just just really the love piece is the biggest thing for me, not being able to being afraid to say that because I think it's very important because we're so rough and so aggressive and I was, you know, tough, hard-nosed and some describe, describe me as my style being tough, hard-nosed, but it really isn't. It's just a level of discipline. And then you look up the definition of discipline, it's another form of love, so it's all the same. I like that. I did not know that. So, Dana, um, I don't know if you subscribe to this theory or not, but I believe in the, you, you study leaders and stuff in, in business and in sports world, but we talk about self-talk and visualization. Can you walk us through that? I mean, is that an important part of your life? Well, I do think that you study other leaders. Uh, in fact, I just uh, attended a, a global leadership summit the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of GLS, but it, it's really good. If you haven't, next year they've got another summit. And um, normally they have satellite camps around the country. It's based out of Chicago. But you got some of the best leaders in the world. And um, we, we don't practice those things as a team. But I, I like to think of my prayer life as a visualization. Um, I, and I practice that literally every day. So I do think that you need some type of mental approach to whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, my, my AU coach is here. Uh, Pee Wee, he, he was the one that introduced to me mind over matter. I had never heard mind over matter until I played for him. And I've really taken that on and, and visualized myself being a Division One college coach, even before I was a Division One coach. And, and those things are really important. And I know that some people visualize or have their teams visualize winning championships and things of that nature. And um, we, we've actually been contacted by someone who, who wants to do that service for our team. And we're, we're thinking about it. But I think that um, if you've got a strong prayer life, that, that, that in itself is enough visualization to be able to accomplish anything that, that, you, de that you desire. So a question for you I have, I ask a lot of great leaders that I get the opportunity to uh, interview, is it's about fear. And so a lot of us are guilty of putting fears in our minds, like, I can't do this, or, or maybe this is going to happen. And, you know, we all have these setbacks that we get. But I don't ask all of you this, but how many of the fears you put in your mind have actually blown up to the magnitude that you put them in your mind to be? You may want to go first. Travis? Well, I don't, I don't think fear is a bad thing. Uh, I think you got to have a little bit of fear uh, in you, uh, to fear to fail. Uh, I talk to my team a lot about that. I want them to be confident going into games but also have a little bit of fear of their opponent um, so I don't think fear is a bad thing I think it all boils down to preparation uh, there's uh, there's good fear there's bad fear there's good pressure there's bad pressure bad pressure and bad fears you go into something and you're not prepared to do it 
so you're feeling frightful and you're not ready for it. Good pressure is, man, I'm ready to attack this game. I'm ready for this test, whatever it is, because I've studied, we've practiced. But you've got butterflies in your stomach. You've got that fear, but you're ready to go. So there's, you know, we talk to our team a lot about good pressure, bad pressure, good fear, bad fear. Uh, but I don't think fear is a bad thing. I don't think, uh, I think it can get you up in the morning, make you keep going no matter how much success you've had or not. Uh, I don't think that's always a bad thing. Green? Yeah, with, you know, fear, I don't think that there's really um, many things that I've, like, psyched myself out, just like, like, you know, where I was so fearful of the moment or fearful of whatever the outcome may be. Um, you know, just, just, try to, just try to go about things of, and even instilling into our guys and my own, my kids of my own of, of uh, having that, not, not having that fear factor of whatever the moment may be of, of, of having, knowing that you've put the work in and uh, the outcome, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to come in your, out in your favor the majority of the time if you put the right work in, no matter what it is. And so, so I think that alleviates that fear factor. And that's, that's really how, how uh, we try to go about it in our, our program. And that's how I try to go about it daily. Dana? You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I was uh, 28 years old, driving from normal Illinois to Nashville, Tennessee, to be a Division One head coach, I was very afraid. Um, in fact, you know, taking over a program that hadn't won in like 30 years made it twice as scary. But um, what it did for me was it, it taught me the importance to lean in more into my, my spiritual life. And, and even now, when, when I come up against fears, which I do all the time, I just lean into my, my spiritual life. Uh, and, and it's not just job related, but family, you know, being a husband, being a father. Uh, there are definitely things that I, that I fear on a, on a normal basis. But, but I just lean more on Christ and, and, and let him, you know, work things out the way he sees fit. Rick? I, I think these guys have touched on it, but it's just a fear of failure. I, I think that's the one thing that we're always afraid of. And I often say this, um, you know, down the line, if, if the bills aren't being paid at home, if we get evicted from our house, um, if, if my kids don't have clothes on their back, no one's going to go to my wife and Brianna and say, hey, what are you doing? Like, you're not providing. It, it comes back to me. Um, and so that, that fear of failure, uh, of not doing the things in order to provide for my family, is like my biggest concern that I have. And then also, um, I, I had Chris Hollander on my staff when I was at Mississippi State, who now works for Conzo. And I remember our first meeting about basketball before we were gonna go out and present the information to our kids and have practice. And so my fear is that I'm not getting across the information that I need to get across to not just my staff, but also to my players. And my wife always helps with me. I have a degree in applied mathematics. And so I'm just, you know, so I, I think when I get done giving the information, I, it's been really slow and it's been really thorough. But in fact, it was really fast and not detailed at all because I'm expecting people on the analytical side to keep up with it. And so that's my fear with me sometimes is that I'm not giving the information that I need to give to my staff because if the staff doesn't know what they're doing, then how do we expect the young men to know what they're doing? So just slowing that information down, I'm always fearful of the fact that I haven't presented the information that, in order for them to succeed. Tonzo? Uh, I, I think with fear, uh, uh, and I, I, I was always a player, uh, 
that play with a level of fear, not not the opponent, but just uh, in the preparation, doing my job, carrying out the assignment. Because and then you look at fear too; it's just a, it's a, it just heightens your awareness. I mean, not not that you're afraid of an individual, person, purpose, person, or situation, but I think for me the biggest fear, uh, and and I, and I noticed I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, which is a form of cancer, back in November of '97. And Joshua, my oldest son, was just born four, four months old. He's 21 now. And the biggest fear for me, at I think I was 20, maybe 26, 27. My wife was, you know, she's two years younger. Just laying there in that bed before they did the chemotherapy treatment. And just to say, if this is it, you know, just, is, is this it? And just to really feel that, you know, we talk about it all the time. You see it on the news, you hear about it. But is this it? It was November of 97, and the doctor allowed me to go home for Thanksgiving because they probably assumed, uh, obviously it's God's plan in the end, but, but for me that was probably the biggest fear. But I, it's never been a man because I'm not a guy to kick up dust and fight. I don't do all that. I, I don't have that kind of time, and I'm not about that. But just right there in that moment, like, this might be it. Uh, and that just, that'll, that'll bring you to your knees. And I always call guys, our players, every now and then, you know, close your eyes, guys. Uh, and we're in the locker room. I said, close your eyes right now. Just think about it. This was your last two minutes to live. But truthfully, nothing is promised. I mean, so what, at that point, when I, when I got to a point, when I got out of that situation, what I really prayed to God, whenever is your plan, give me enough strength to deal with it and uh, allow enough resources behind so they can push forward. Because you gave me those kids. And, and God says in John 14, 14, if you ask my name, I shall give. And that's his word. So certain things I ask him. So he, he never goes back on his word. So he got to stand strong on his word. Well said. So let's talk about most leaders are avid readers or, or they like to read books about other leaders, whatever it may be. If you guys could say one book, if you like to read, <laughs> one book that you would recommend for our listener, for our uh, guest. Well, the book, I mean, you got to understand, so I'm a left-brain guy, so I can't stand fiction. So I have no desire to read something somebody made up. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, I'm a non-fiction guy. So for me, at a young age, I, I read uh, by Alex Haley, the autobiography of Malcolm X, and, and to me, just the transformation of like his thoughts and his beliefs and then like what he engaged into and what he involved into. And so that helped me as a teenager when I read that book as far as like, hey, you may have thought that this is the right way, but now like as you continue to learn more information about what's really going on, it takes you on a different path. So to me, just that journey as a man, like that's something I always like, hey, I don't care what you, what you believe, what your ethnicity is and things like that. If you read that book, you come to find out like how you can change and how you can evolve as a man. For me, it's a book called Two Chairs. Uh, it was given to me by a group called Nation of Coaches, which is a uh, Christian-based group that helps coaches, part of the NABC. And um, it's by Bob Bodine, Bodine sorry. And um, it just talks about how you should start your day uh, with, with two chairs, you having a conversation with God, and uh, it's really a good book. And, and what it showed me was, I mean, there's really nothing, nothing too big for him. I mean, wh whatever it is that's on your mind when you first wake up, if you give it to him, 
I mean, it's really nothing too big for them. If it's thanks, I mean, it's just it's a really good way to start your day. And uh, it's a really quick, easy read as well. It's called Two Chairs. Kanzu? Uh, I think for me, the, the, the one book I, I enjoy reading, and, uh, well, it's two books really, but uh, in it, The Energy Bus by John Gordon, I thought that's always a good book. Uh, you can always go back to it. And the book I read about 20 years ago, good 15, maybe 50, good to great, uh, just about business and development. So I know I gave you two, but those books I probably the only two books I've gone back to over the years and I, you know, highlight everything, but I thought those two books give me balance and give you a peace of mind. Um, those are all great books. We just, uh, our, our team studied, uh, energy bus two years ago. We actually did a whole study on it and read it together and all that. But, uh, uh, a book, uh, oh, a couple years ago, and I've kind of had my staff always read it. It's called Lead by God's Sake. Um, and it's, uh, it's a story uh, about uh, uh, a coach who thought he had all the answers and basically a janitor ended up showing him the way to how to lead his team the right way and what's important when it comes to leading people. Uh, great, great, great book, Lead by God's Sake, a book I just finished uh, earlier this summer, uh, Power of Positive Teams by John Gordon uh, is a really, really good book. I always try to read something before season starts to kind of get you get you going that you can share something with your team. But that's one I just finished. But Lead by God's Sake is something that uh, I could read every, usually every summer, just to give you its perspective. It puts everything in perspective uh, as far as what, uh, what uh, my role is and what I need to do every day. Yeah, we, uh, we did the same thing. We did Energy Bus with our team. thought that was really good. But just in terms of a networking piece thing for people uh, in the audience and all of us, the power of who, uh, you know, just power of who just basically just knowing and understanding when you're doing a network piece and like who, who's going to, who can help you make the decisions or who, who can help you get to whatever your destination spot is. And so I think with the combination of all those and the power of who are, are some, some good reads as well. What would you say, Conzo, you're seeing, where are we as parents, if you will, there's probably a lot of parents with kids in the room, what are we doing wrong as parents, getting our kids ready for sports? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. But. Are you trying to get me beat up? <laughs> no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think everybody parent differently. Uh, now, speaking in the realm of sport, because I've been around uh, when I see the, the raising their kids in, in sports, they're consumed with their kids being successful, being whatever the best player is. Uh, I pray to God that I don't want to coach my son, and I love him dearly. I want to have a great relationship with him and just life. My oldest son, he ran track and cross country, so I didn't have to worry about that. My middle one, there's a chance. I have no desire to coach him because I love him, and I want to enjoy, I want to laugh, I don't want to talk. Let somebody else deal with that because I don't think that's my place. Let somebody else do that. Let's, let's love each other. We laugh, and let's grow together as, as let me help you become a man. I don't want to fight you and box you every day. I, we get in the car. He, he, he gets in the car. We just finished playing the game. I watch the game. I, I don't really see my wife, but she active. So I, we get in the car. We go home. Boom, hit. Next game, get in the car, go home. I've never said a word. Never. There's nothing to talk about unless he asks me a question. He says, Dad, what are you thinking? I'll give my two cents. It's never about the coach. It's never about anything. He, he, I went to his game. He played 45 seconds uh, in the game. Might have 45 a minute. Uh, minute 45 and, and I, I was talking to the coach after the game the other team's coach I wanted to say hello to him so my son was sitting all the way over there on the bench my best friend's on my staff so he was sitting with my son and I could see my son tears in his eyes and I'm over here and he just kind of gave me a signal so, 
So I finished talking. We got in the car. So I sat in the back seat. So my best friend's son, they sat in the front. So we, we get home. I, I never said a word. Uh, so I got to work the next day. My, my, my friend told me what, what, what it was. He felt like he should have played more and all that. So the next day to school, I'm taking him to school. I'm just in the car. So you good? Yeah, for some reason, I had headphones all day long. It's like I can't even talk to him with his headphones on. So I said, man, you good? Yeah, I, just, I said, what's going on? He said, well, I felt like I should have played more. Uh, so I said, did you talk to coach? So when they talk to coach, it has nothing to do with me. Because my whole thing with, with my children, any sport, and I say it to my wife, and I make it very clear. As long as the coach is not harming you, physically touching anything like that, that's between you and coach. It has nothing to do with me. And I think that is a lesson for all parents to understand. If you trust the coach to do the job when it's good, then trust him to do the job when it's bad, period. Please stay with us as we go to break. Again, I'm Brett Gilliland. This is the Circuit of Success. If you want more from the Circuit of Success, please go to circuitofsuccess.com. Past shows, uh, videos, audio are there. Enjoy it. And if you want more from our financial firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, please join us there at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, wherever it is you get your social media content. We're on all of them. Keep enjoying the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. And we talked basketball. Now we're going to turn the page and we're going to talk leadership with these men who get to run these wonderful programs for the state of Missouri and these basketball programs. And uh, we're going to talk leadership. Enjoy the rest of the show. Will Billikens be in the Final Four? And what does it have to do with your leadership? It's going to help you get there. Well, we, we, uh, we need to take one step at a time. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we have, we think we're going to be improved. We'll be better this year. Um, like I said earlier, I like the, I like the guys on our team. I like all the different, you know, strengths of our team. Uh, we've improved our team in a lot of areas. Uh, but my goodness, there's so much that goes into going deep in an NCAA tournament. Uh, there's so much that goes into making a final four. There's a lot of luck involved, but you know, obviously that is, uh, that is a dream. Uh, that is a goal, you, whatever you want to say. But literally, you know, we can't get caught up. And I'm not a big goal person. I don't get caught up in setting a lot of goals, and I don't do it with our team. I'm more concerned about what we're doing today to try to meet. What are we doing today to meet to try to get to a Final Four? That's more important than talking about going to a Final Four. It's what are we doing today to prepare for tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I like our team. Uh, we just started school today. It's the first day of school. Uh, our guys were up lifting this morning at 7 a.m. Uh, they're conditioning this afternoon, and we'll start our have our first practice tomorrow. Uh, and uh, the journey begins, and that's what it is. And not to keep talking, but you know, one thing that they ask Conzo about parents, you know, today it's, uh, you know, I have an open door policy with all my parents. You can come talk to me anytime. You may not like what I had to say. Uh, or, or get it, but you have the opportunity to come speak to me anytime, and I'm going to tell you the truth. You may not like it, but this is the truth. But today, so many players, parents, it's all about how fast can something happen for them. It is a, and I tell our guys, this is not, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. They want such instant success. Yeah, not necessarily even earn it, not necessarily even take the time. Uh, and that's what I want for our team to bring that up. I just one day at a time. Let's, this is this is 
we got a long time till April, and I hope we're still playing in March. So, to answer your question. All right, one more question over here. Uh, I have a question. I know that you gentlemen coach uh, boys basketball teams, but I'd like to know what advice would you give to a young lady or girl who's interested in college basketball, high school basketball, uh, to help make them a success? Because we do have a lot of great women's basketball, especially on the college level, and a lot of times they don't get as much play or limelight as the guys do. So what would you, if you coached a girls' team, what would you tell those girls, or would it be anything different than you tell the young men that you coach? Well, I, I think um, you have you have a lot of really good high school coaches, and some of the coaches in here right now, uh, so they can go in depth about it, because some of them still train women. So I think you can get more specific right here. Uh, but just, just having, if you have a passion for it, and you're in high school, and go to the high school coach and figure out the best way to get there. But it's a, it's a lot of work, but you got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy the work. Uh, so I think the better you are, the more you put into it, the harder it becomes. Are so you willing to sacrifice that kind of time to be successful? Because it's okay to play leisurely, but if you want to be great at it, there's a lot of time that you have to put into it to be successful. Thank you for listening to the Circuit of Success. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Enjoyed bringing this one to you. I thought the coaches were great guests. They were very giving of their time, and it's great to see the men that are leading the basketball programs here in the greater St. Louis area, the Missouri area, and uh, what they're bringing to these kids and their lives. And, uh, you know, you just never know uh, what you can do to help somebody. So it's great having them. Listen, if you want more information about our uh, firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, check us out at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find more of the show on iTunes uh, every week as we bring you the radio show here on the Big 550 KTRS. We will also be bringing it to you on the following Monday uh, on iTunes. So check that out, rate it, share it. Um, We just want to help as many people as we possibly can. And if you want more, you can go to circuitofsuccess.com. For more information, you've got uh, all the past shows. You've got videos there with great people like Jackie Joyner, Kersey, and some others. So, so join us. Uh, we love helping you every single week. We'll be back next Sunday. Tune in next week for another episode of the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the LineUpMedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 